0: My ears are open open. and I better not go to sleep. sleep. I'll never be the same. same. In Jesus' name, name. Amen. amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And I pray that the word today will open up an avenue of revelation for those who hear it. That these single people will walk away with a new level of revelation for their life that will help them literally live a more than a conqueror's life. I thank you for doing what you're doing in their life, and I pray that every word that has been spoken so far has fallen on good ground so their lives can be changed for the better. And it's in Jesus' name I pray that everybody say amen. amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we're in our third week for our relationship series for the month of February. And for those of you who are visiting or viewing for the first time, we've been separating our Sunday morning services for the last three weeks where our nine o'clock services have been for our married people and our 11 o'clock service, which this is, is for our singles. And so if you're here and you're married and you didn't know that we were separating our church, just hang in there. Stay in the service. You will be glad you're not single. <laughs> All right? So uh, we kicked off the single series by talking about stewarding your desires. And if you haven't had a chance to go back and watch these, I want you to do it because they've been very powerful. And then last week, uh, the message was called Discerning Your Desires. And that one was very powerful because you got to discern the desires that are in your heart to make sure they are of God or just from you. Now, if I were you, I would go back and rewatch, especially the one from last week, because it was powerful. Now, today's message is going to be something different, but I know it's going to bless you, and it's called Solo and Satisfied. Everybody say, Solo, solo. and satisfied. satisfied. Now, see, some of you are with the title right there and say, well, I ain't satisfied, Pastor, because <laughs> I ain't married yet. And that's why I'm teaching the message today. Now, the goal of the message is to help singles... See that the power of contentment, I want you to see that the power of contentment that it plays in your life, what it will do, it acts as fuel to empower you as a single person. Say amen. Now as a single person, you know, you, you, you have to be okay with who you are and you have to embrace your singleness or you'll live a life of discontentment and you'll live a life of struggle. You'll live a life of, of lacking in self identity and self worth. And so listen, you have to be okay with who you are. You have to be okay with where you are and you will never be okay with others until you have mastered being okay with you. I'm going to say that again. You won't be okay with others until you have mastered being okay with you. Being single is your relationship status. It's not a who you are status. Amen. If you're, if marriage is your identity, then you will never know who you are while you're single. And some folks make marriage their identity. Amen. If you, if you don't know who you are now and marriage is your identity, then once you become married, you will have false identity because marriage does not make you who you are. Listen, your identity should never come from your relationship status. Your identity should come from your relationship with God. So let's look at some keys because I'm going to share some keys this morning that, that hopefully you'll embrace your singlehood. You'll embrace th- your single status. And so I'm just going to jump right in here because I have several this morning. Here's point number one if you're taking notes. Uh, in order for you to, to live a solo and satisfied life, you have to let go so you can grow. Some of you all have this false sense of vision. You know, when you were a little girl, I'm talking to somebody right now, you had this place set and they bought you a Barbie set and you got a Barbie and a Ken and, and it was, you know, y'all was going to get married and, and you were going to get married at this age and, and, and it hasn't happened. And so now, you know, you're struggling. But just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean that it won't happen. And then there's some people who've decided, you know what, I want to stay single. You say, well, Pastor, why would a person do that? Well, it's actually easier to be single than it is to be married. You don't even know you say till you married. <laughs> to be content with where you are, you must let go of where you came from. The children of Israel actually, listen, it took them 40 years to get to God's promise for their life when it only should have taken them 11 days. You know why it took them 40 years instead of 11 days? It's because their mindsets kept them from obtaining the promise. And some of you all may not want to believe it, but your mindset is keeping some of God's promises from you. And that's why they ended up walking in the wilderness for 40 years because God couldn't get their mind right. Maybe it's your unforgiveness that's keeping you in in the wilderness of being single. Listen to the New Living Translation of Exodus 13 because it tells us why God did not take them the shortcut. It says when Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them along the main road. That runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their what church? Their minds and return to Egypt. Because that's what happens when people face difficulty. They tend to go back in their minds from where they came from. In verse 18, he says, so God led them in a roundabout way through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And that that may be your journey right now. God is taking you a roundabout way. Why? Because I have discovered, ask me what I've discovered. I've discovered that getting married does not bring you fulfillment, even though it may bring you satisfaction. Did y'all hear what I said? I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got that. And see, some of y'all are saying, well, Pastor, you married. That's why you saying that. now." because I used to not be married and I still going to say that. Being married. If you put too much cloud in that, it might bring you satisfaction, but it will not produce fulfillment in your life. Amen. And not letting go of what's happened to you is a major reason why some people are still walking in the wilderness. And not letting go from the children of Israel standpoint is what caused them to walk in circles. See, you only revisit your past when you can't see a better future. And that's why you got to forget and press. Everybody say, forget and press. You have to forget and press. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, they're going to put it on the board. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but he said, there's one thing that I'm going to do. Out of everything that I do, he says, there's one thing I'm going to do. And that one thing is, I'm forgetting those things which are behind me. And then he says, I'm reaching forth to those things which are before. He says, I'm going to press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to the living Bible. He says, no dear brothers, I'm, I'm still not all I should be, but I'm bringing all of my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting, everybody say forgetting, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us. Up to heaven because of what Christ did for us. So listen, when he says forgetting those things which are behind, he, he's not mean, he, he doesn't mean to never remember it no more. That's what, not what that means. When he says forgetting, it means to lose out of your mind. Now you say, Pastor, what does that mean? Let me read you a passage of scripture that uses this same word forgetting. And then I'm going to give you an example of what it looks like to forget something. He says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 5, we're talking about the word forgetting. It's also used in this verse, but it uses a different English word. It says, and when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take what? They had forgotten to take bread. Well, it's not that they didn't remember that they had bread. It's just that they forgot to bring it. Forgetting doesn't mean to never remember anymore. As much as it means to choose to not dwell on it no more. I mean, if you notice, it didn't say forget those things which are behind. It said forgetting which is ongoing. Uh, have you ever lost or misplaced your keys before? Anybody in the house? Anybody in the, Anybody watching me? You lost your keys, misplaced them. You actually cannot remember where you put them. Although you have not forgotten that you have keys. Are you with me? So... To remember where you put them, what do you do? You start thinking about, okay, where am I I been? So you replay in your mind everything that you did prior to not remembering where your keys are. What you're doing is you're replaying in your mind events to help you remember where your keys are. Well, that's what Paul is saying. He's saying to lose out of your mind. In other words, stop thinking about what has happened. Forget it. Everybody say forget it. No, he's saying forget it. Forget it. In other words, you forgot where your keys were, but you didn't forget you had keys. The only way to continue to remember something is to continue to remember something. That was deep, wasn't it? no 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 the only way to continue to remember something you have to choose to continue to remember it and the easiest way to remember something watch this church is to talk about it you will never forget about your ex until you get him out of your mouth look at your neighbor and say you need to get tyrone out your mouth get him out your mouth get him out your mouth mouth." Now look at your other neighbor and say, you need to get Tyresa out of your mouth. Tyresa. Tyrone and Tyresa, they a couple. So let me give you something because here's one of the major blocks to forgetting something, which is point number two, and that is forgiving helps to forgetting. Everybody say, forgiving helps to forgetting see it'll help you to forget when you learn to forgive and see here's the thing when God forgives us he forgets it he said well pastor Evan I ain't God I'm not saying you are but what I do know is that you and I are the ones to choose to remember what we choose to remember and even though the accuser of the brethren he's going before God the Bible says every day accusing us saying God they did this they did that but God still chooses to forget and to forgive so Here's the thing that I that I say to people, until you decide to permanently forgive somebody and let them off the hook, you'll always remember what they did. Matthew chapter 6 verse 14, it says, for if you forgive men their trespasses. By the way, this was Jesus talking. He says, if you'll forgive men their trespasses, watch what he says God will do. Your heavenly father will forgive you. But then verse 15 is very, I mean, this is, this is like, this is like a shot of Hennessy when you first wake up. He say, say, well, pastor, why you use that example? Because somebody did it this morning. Don't make me call you out. I'll do it. He said, but if you're, if you forgive me in their trespasses, your heavenly father will forgive you. But what if you forgive not me and their trespasses? Watch this, read it with me. Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Forgiveness is so important that God says, I ain't going to forgive you until you decide you're going to forgive other people. Now, I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like forgiveness is for other people. It sounds like forgiveness is for me. It's so powerful. Unforgiveness is so powerful that it will keep your prayers from being answered. And I don't know about you, but there's too much going on in the world for my prayers not to be answered. Mark chapter 11 verse 24, and I'm going to explain in just a second why a lot of you are walking in unforgiveness and you don't know it. Mark 11, 24 says, therefore, this is Jesus talking again. He said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray. We talked about that last week. Remember now, last week I said that you don't have a legitimate desire until you pray. He said, what things soever you desire when you pray. He said, believe you receive them and you will have them. Look at verse 25. And when you stand praying, what's the next word, church? Do what? Do what? Forgive. Do what? Forgive. Forgive. And then what did he say? What happened? He said, when you stand, for forgive. And if you, if you have ought against any, that your Father which is also in heaven may do what? Forgive you your trespasses. Watch verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. I want you to notice that they pretty much, those two verses said the same thing. And that is, if you choose to not forgive, God chooses to not forgive you. That's why he said it doing prayer. Because you can't get a prayer up if you ain't sent no forgiveness up. So I'm gonna give you a take home statement real quick. This is very powerful. Here we go. When I forgive, I live. When I don't, I won't. I'm gonna say that again. When I forgive, I live. When I don't, I won't. Forgiveness is that powerful. And here's the thing. Touch your neighbor and say you go to napping. Pastor, going to go to slapping. Here we go. Are you ready? Most people do not count not forgiving themselves as unforgiveness, but it's no different. And there are people in the room, at the end, this is what I'm going to pray about. I'm just getting your heart ready right now. Because some of you all have struggled, that's two words, struggled with forgiving you. And here's, here's the revelation of that. God seeing you not forgive you as no different from you not forgiving somebody else. So what does forgiveness do? Here's some things that forgiveness does. Number one, it keeps you forgiven by God. That's number one. Number two, forgiveness betters your heart because forgiveness takes place from the heart And it can benefit your physical health. It's no coincidence that the leading cause of death in America is heart disease. Number three, what forgiveness does for you, it frees you from the past, which allows you to move forward without being anchored to past hurts. Forgiveness enhances mental health. And this is why some people right now are crazy. forgiving reduces feelings of anger it reduces bitterness it reduces resentment it decreases anxiety it it decreases depression and it listen forgiveness will improve your health overall so then if that's what forgiveness does what does forgiveness not do here's number one forgiveness it does not guarantee a change in the other person's behavior I forgave them so they ought to treat me better. Nope, 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 nope. It does not. Forgiveness does not guarantee a change from someone else's behavior. Number two, it does not require reconciliation, although in some cases that might be necessary. You say, well, when is it necessary? Let's say you and a coworker get into a spout and they did something that hurt you. You need to forgive them because you got to work with them again. Here's number three, forgiveness does not justify wrongdoing. In other words, when you forgive, it doesn't mean that you're condoning the behavior of the person who hurt you. Are you with me? Number four, forgiveness, it does not mean you will forget what happened. Forgiveness does not require an apology from the other person. Because sometimes, in some cases, the person who would need to forgive you or to ask you to forgive them, they're dead. Number five. Number six. Forgiveness does not heal, but it opens the door for God to heal. Forgiveness helps you to be solo and satisfied. Amen. Amen. So let's look at one more key before we we close here. Another key to being solo and satisfied is to be content as a single person. And this one right here is where I kind of want to spend some time because the average Christian single is not content. Notice I said average. Now look at your neighbor and say, I ain't average though. Now look at your other neighbor and say, you a lie. I'm just, I'm just. So here's my third point. Are y'all ready for this third point? A single life doesn't mean a miserable life. A single life does not mean a miserable life. Being single isn't a curse or you would have been born married. Did you hear that? Being single is not a curse or you would have been born married. And I know in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, they're going to put it up there. It says, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. But this don't mean lonely. Because you can be, you can feel lonely in the middle of a, a thousand people. So he didn't say... Man should not be lonely. He said man should be a, uh, not be alone. And that's why you should have community. You don't have to be married to not be alone. You could get some friends. You could get some, some, what I'm going to call, community to help you not feel alone. Say amen to that. So here's another way that that word lonely is used that we just read in Genesis uh, chapter 2. Because I want to show you this. It says, in Abraham, I'm in Genesis 21:27. It says, in Abraham took sheep and oxen, and he gave them to Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. Verse 28 is what she, uh, uses this word uh, alone. It says, in Abraham set seven ewes of lamb of the flock by themselves. That word, by themselves, it means alone. It means separate or separated. But it doesn't mean, uh, it doesn't mean to be alone without nobody it means to not be together and the only way you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you church is you got to have a certain level of contentment see we quote that scripture oh I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me the question is will you Listen to the New Living Translation of Philippians 4 because people quote this, but they don't really understand that the secret to doing all things through Christ who strengthens you is contentment. Watch what it says here. He says, how I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. He says, but you didn't have a chance to help me. Watch what he says. Not that I was ever in need, but I learned how. Watch this. I learned how to be content. I learned how to be content because becoming content is something you have to learn to do. He says, I've learned how to be content. Watch this. With whatever state or whatever I have. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing. I know how to live on everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. I've learned the secret of being single or being married. He says, whether I'm full, whether my stomach is empty, whether I have plenty or whether I have little. He says, you know what? I've learned how to be content. And because I know how to be content, he says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The word content there means to be sufficient to oneself. It means strong enough or enough to have no aid or support. It also means independent of external circumstances, which means, you know what? If I'm married, I'm good. If I ain't, I'm good. Amen. Most singles are not content because they are not okay with who they are, which is my last point here. If you're going to live solo and satisfied, to be you, you must know you. See, the real you is not the natural you, it's the spiritual you. I know our world focuses so much on the physical that they forget that the real you is spiritual. Amen. Your, your best you should never be based on the temporary part of you. Your best you should be, your focus should be the born again part of you, the new you, the spiritual you. And once you get to that point, the, once you understand that the best you is the spiritual you, you'll do better naturally. You'll do better spiritually. And you know, you'll do better when you start looking at picking people. Because if you only look to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. I know he's not as tall as you want him. But you're not as fine as he wants you. Oh, I, that came from the south, didn't I? Ah, bam, oh, my God. 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells us, he says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that we can't see are eternal. When are you going to learn to see you like God sees you? We must learn to see through the eyes of the spirit and the word and not through the eyes of the flesh and the facts. When you see through the eyes of the word and the spirit, you will say what you don't see and you will speak those things that are not as though they were. Listen, your best you must come from revelation and not just information. So here's now the the core of the whole thing because long time ago, I got this revelation that I need to like me whether nobody else does or not. I got the revelation of, if the manufacturer who created me is okay with me, then who am I to not be okay with me? Let me take it another step. If the manufacturer is okay with me, then who, who, uh, who ain't okay with me, who should, why should they even matter to me? Oh, so I'm going to take your opinion of me over who God has said I am and he created me? The devil is a lie. So let's look at Matthew 16. I'm almost done here. Matthew 16, 13. It says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Verse 14, they said, well, some say that you are John the Baptist. Some say you are Elijah. some others say you're Jeremiah, and some the other prophets. And so he said to them, but who do you say I am? And so Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I want you to notice what Jesus says to him. And Jesus answered and said to him, you are blessed, Simon Bar-Jonah. Why? Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my Father which is in heaven revealed this to you. And then he says, and I say unto you that you are Peter and upon this rock I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And then he says, I'll give you keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Here's my point. I want you to see that it was revelation that allowed Peter to see who Jesus really was. And it's going to take revelation from God for you to know who you are. Not just information. See, information is natural stuff. I was born in Oak Cliff, Dallas. Right? I grew up on 2524 Overton Road. My parents' names is Esquire and Mildred Connor. See, those are facts. Right? I went to Wilma Hutchins High School. Facts. Maybe I should have left that fact out. <laughs> Everybody say those are facts. But it's when you get a revelation from who God says you are. That That's what changes your life. And so let's... One more verse. This is our last verse. John chapter 1 verse 19. This is now John getting a revelation. He's giving us... let Let me tell you what John was doing. John was doing something. And his revelation of who he was is something that he disclosed to us. And if you can get the revelation of it, not the information of it, but the revelation... Let me tell you the difference. See, information... Gives you knowledge. Revelation gives you transformation. So watch this now. It says, verse 1. Uh, they, they, I didn't give them this. John chapter 1, verse 19, back there in the back. John 1, 19, praise the Lord. Y'all give our media hand, our media department a big hand. I just threw a curve at them. Woo. So I'm going to wait. Y'all, y'all let me know when it gets up there. Okay, they, all, well, they pass, ain't they? Okay, John one nineteen. It says, and this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And that's what life does to you. Life sends you a financial challenge because life wants to know, do you believe what God says about your money? Uh, The devil sends an unbeliever your way. He's fine as a dime with some change left over. Or she's fine as a dime with some change left over. The devil wants to know, do you believe what God's word says about who you should be dating? He said, well, so the Bible says they sent priests and Levites to ask him, who are you? He confessed and he denied not, but confessed. He says, I am not the Christ. Well, thank God he knew who he wasn't because to to know who you are, you got to know who you not. So when people call you names, that shouldn't rattle you because that's who you not. Verse 22, verse 21. And they asked him then, who are you? Are you Elias? And they said, no. He said, no. He says, are you that prophet? And he said, no. And so they said to him then, who are you that we may give an answer to him that sent us? What are you, what do you say about yourself? Watch his answer. Cause see, the answer that he gave should be the answer that you give. When life comes at you and say, well, who are you? He said, so we can tell those who sent us. He said in verse 23, he says, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. As said the prophet Isaiah. In other words, what John did, he took what God had said about him way back in the Old Testament. He realized, wow, that verse was talking about me. And he made, listen, he made his identity who God said he was. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. That's who I am. And because that's who I am, that's the answer that I'm going to give you. And most people don't accept who God has said they are because they don't know. So he said, hey, that's who I am. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, I'm going to jump down to verse 25, if y'all would. Verse, jump down to verse 25. And so then after he satisfied them by telling him who he was, watch now what they have a problem with. Then why are you baptizing then? If you're not the Christ or the prophet. Because once you know who you are, people going to have a problem with what you do. did you get that so information is designed to provide you with facts but revelation is designed to transform you with truth revelation helps you see and know what God's viewpoint is on something and his perspective so I'm closing here because I'm going to give you some facts about receiving personal revelation of, about the real you here's some facts about personal revelation number one when you once you get a revelation of you number one If you always need a man to tell you who you are or a woman to tell you who you are, then you will only become what they see you as. Here's number two. What you do will come out of who you become and who you become will come from who you are and who you are will come from who God says about you. When you get a revelation, now it's all about how God sees you. Here's number three. You become the best you when your perception of you is changed by the reality of who God says you are, and I and, and I never forget when I when I got this, I stopped performing for God after that. Because see, some of you are you're performing for God because you want to get God's approval. Well, let me just say this: the blood of Jesus, when you accepted Christ. You got accepted in the beloved that day. Now, does God want us to act right and do right? Absolutely. But my, listen now, this is going to mess up some of y'all. My actions do not dictate whether God loves me or not. If I never did anything for God again, his love, let me tell you how deep God's love is. His love is so deep. That he loves sinners, the same as He loves saints. and that 's why some people never get saved. God loves me, He does, but he 's going to love you right to hell. that 's what he's going to do. No, He loves you enough to let you do what you want to do. So how do we apply today 's message? Number one, I want you to ask yourself, are you content with being you as a single person? Are you okay? Are you okay? Because once you are okay, then now you're free to be you. See, this will stop you from getting, you know, in some bad relationships. This will help you get out of some bad relationships. Yeah, because see, if you know who you are, you know you don't need no sugar daddy. Well, girl, how you going to make it? I know. See, because, see, we do, listen, single people do all stuff backwards and then ask for God's help. You move in with him. You get a joint account with him. Y'all buy a house together and he ain't asked you that question. And then you realize this ain't even the man. Or he leaves you. And it's like, oh, what are you going to do? Do you stay in the relationship because he's been sugar to your daddy? Or in some cases, sugar to your mama because we got some of them too, right? When you know who you are, then you know whose you are. Yeah. So I don't need your money. And when you know that. Watch this. You will show that. So number one, that's that's number one. Here's number two. Have you forgiven people in your past? Now here's the thing that, I, that I've realized with, with people. Because they've connected forgiveness with feelings, they don't know if they've forgiven or not. I do believe forgiveness can be a process, but I do believe before it becomes a process, it's a decision. You have to decide, I'm letting them go. Now, how do you do what Paul said that we read? He said, forget those things, what you're behind. How do you forget that? How do you forget it? Uh, He said, that means to lose out of your man. That means that from this day on, it needs to stop being your focus. The reason why it feels like you don't forgive them is because you continue to allow the things that they did to resurface. You say, well, pastor, I can't stop it from coming. You can stop it from coming. You can't stop it from coming, but you can stop it yourself from just dwelling on it. So because what happens you in a good mood all day and all of a sudden you get this text message. And your day is ruined. You get to work, your girl, girlfriend look at you, girl, what's wrong? <laughs> okay, girl, what did he do? No, 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 no. Or what did she do? Right? No. Forgiveness is a decision. Watch this. Forgetting is a choice. Did you hear that? Forgiveness is a decision, but forgetting is a choice. It's up to you to continue to rehearse all the stuff or say, you know what? I'm forgetting that. Because let me tell you something. If your ex is your ex, God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Do you have faith for it? See, you prove you have faith for it by letting it go. So now, if you bless me with a $100, and this person over here blessed me with a million, and somebody said, Pastor Evan, you need to forget about the person who you who who gave you the least done i'm not going to think about it no more why should i think about the hundred when i got the million right so why are you still dwelling on mister 100 missus 100 when mister million is around the corner See, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I'm saying to you, God can do exceeding and abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. But you got to let him do it. He can't do that if you stuck on 100. Oh, I know. I'm going to keep it 100. Well, you stay at 100. There are more numbers that are higher than a number, than 100. You got 100, you got 200, you got a million. It's your choice. So there are some people today you have not forgiven you and I'm going to prove it to you. Because all you can think about are the mistakes and the challenges that you've done for your life to be where it is. It's called, are you ready? Regret. The only reason a person regrets It's because whatever happened, they viewed it as a loss. And some of you have made some choices in your life that may not have been good. We all have made choices we're not proud of, but, but sometimes when you make a choice that's, that, that really brought some, some heavy consequences, those are the ones that it's hard to let yourself go. And so to feel, listen, this is backwards. You feel better about yourself when you just remember it. It's like, okay, I'm... I didn't say take responsibility, not taking responsibility for it. I'm saying forgive it and forget it. Stop going back, reliving what has happened. Reliving doesn't change it. And so there are some people with every head bowed and every eye closed. Here's my question. Have you been struggling forgiving you because I, I believe that's the main thing forgiving you, letting you go because if you're not forgiving you God's not forgiving you and so that's who I want to pray for today, that's who I want to pray for and if that's you, just right there at your seat, just raise your hand and say Pastor Evan, that's me I, I I, haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm, I'm forgiving myself all the way and, and I need, I need to let myself go today. I need to forgive myself today. Raise your hand real high, real high. I see hands going all, all over the building. It's too many hands for me to acknowledge, but I want you to keep your hands up. In fact, if you're watching me right now, and you've struggled forgiving you, today is the decision. Remember now, forgiving is a decision. Forgetting is something that you have to decide you're gonna do. But right now, we're talking about forgiving you you, if that's you, raise your hand right there. Oh, at home, you say, well, Pastor, you don't see my hand, but God sees your hand. Hands up, hands up, hands up, hands up. In fact, you know what I want to do? I want you to put both hands up. So that way that other hand can't hold on to nothing else. God's placing you under spiritual arrest. And today you're going to let go of you. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you're real. Your word said, if I don't forgive, the Father won't forgive me. So at this moment of my life, I've decided to forgive me. Lord, help me to forgive me. Now me, today. Today. I'm letting you go. I know you've made some bad decisions. I know I've made some bad choices. I know I've been in some wrong relationships. I know I've experienced bad consequences. But today, self, I'm forgiving you. And I'm letting you go. And I'm going to let God work together for good all the bad that has happened. In Jesus' name, amen. You can put your hands down. Now, Father, I thank you for those who forgiving themselves. And I pray that, God, they'll see the value of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Church, I see rain. I see rain coming this is a good rain this is a good rain there's a there's a rain that's coming you forgave now it's time see the, the unforgiveness held up the rain but I see God raining on you hallelujah 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 Lord thank you for the rain in Jesus name now if you're here today and you died and you're not saved I want to pray for